and welcome to Tiny Voice Talks with me, Toria Bono. And today I am delighted to have Pi Corbett back on the show with me to talk about poetry. So welcome back, Pi. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm really pleased to um, to be back with you for another good chin wag. I love our chinwags because I always go, I said before we started recording, I always go back into my classroom the next day with a myriad of ideas, just desperate to start doing all the stuff that we've discussed. And today we are discussing poetry. Yes, poetry is, it's a tricky one. And um, mm. I think it's, I think it's something that people often avoid or don't do terribly well. And I think it's partly because um, we were either not taught it at school or we were taught it very, very badly. Um, so we don't really have a powerful model inside our minds of what teaching poetry might actually um, look like. I think the, the other or the the big model or um, is it a muddle? I don't know. The big barrier is muddling poetry or poetic writing with rhyme. And rhyme is... Yeah. Um, very, very tricky to do. Um, it's probably too difficult for most adults. It's certainly too difficult for a, for an eight-year-old, um, unless you're doing very trite, simple stuff. Um, it, it, it is going to get in the way. So what happens is the child starts writing, and let's say there's an obligation to rhyme. So um, you're thinking about, say, a bonfire party or something. So the bonfire flames were very mm -hmm. big. I saw grandma wearing a wig. Um, she um, danced around and did a jig. We all went home and ate a fig. Mm. So you get rubbish like that because what all the attention and the intelligence yeah. is going in to forcing the rhyme. And if you think about it, rhyme is going to be very hard unless you have a massive vocabulary and, a, and very swift access to that vocabulary. It's a tricky thing to do. So as soon as you take the rhyme out of it, um, rhyme is okay if you're trying to do something fairly, um, fairly thin, like uh, a rap. Um, that might work. Mm. You're only going to get fairly thin writing from it. As soon as you take that away, um, it, it makes life easier. Now, I see it rather like this. If I got together um, some wood and um and a saw and a hammer and nails etc and i made a pile in the middle of the room and said toria build me a welsh dresser would you be able to do it wow and, and the answer is no, no you couldn't do it because <laughs> you don't know how to join two bits of wood together without them falling apart so it's as if we're yeah. asking them to construct something which is actually very difficult to do and um Way below that, there are all sorts of other things they need to learn. So if we think about the roots of what you might call mm. poetic writing, um, things like choosing the right word for the job is going to be, you know, choosing the right words, that's going to be very powerful. So word choice is important. I mean, can you create similes? Yeah. Children start creating similes at the age of about three, three and a half. If you say, remember holding Poppy up when she was having her hair washed and I put it out in spikes, and I held her up to the mirror. Mm -hmm. she, she was about three. I said, oh, have a look. And she said, oh, and she laughed, and she said, I look like the sun. Oh. <laughs> yeah. That's it. That's, that's, so what's happening yeah. there is 
has been an, uh, an interesting experience. An ordinary language won't actually capture the essence of the experience. So you yes. have to reach for well-chosen words and some sort of imagery to communicate the excitement um, and uh, the unusualness and uh, communicate something of what you felt about it, but also the essence of the experience. And that comes through that imagery. So as soon yeah. as you've got this idea that actually rhyming in the main isn't going to work for us, and then secondly, let's get back to the very roots of what we mean by poetic um, poetic writing. So if I read you, I'll read you one. I've just done a book called Catalysts, Poems for Writing. And mm-hmm. if people are interested, they can get it on the – I think I may have sent you a copy. I can't remember. Did I send you a copy? No, I haven't got a copy, but it oh, sounds did. wonderful. Yeah, I will send you a copy. Um, so I'm just making a little Thank post. We'll put we'll put the link for listeners while Pi's finding the page. We will put the link for um, the book into the show notes. So anything that Pi and I talk about during this um, this episode, everything will be in the show notes. Do not worry. So let me give you first of all. Uh, so in the book, sorry, there are mm. 130 um, different um, poetry models. The sort of thing that. Um, if you were working um, in a classroom, you could actually literally almost pick it up and use it. Now, the one you were talking wow. about earlier is If I Had Wings. Yes, because I use that. Yeah, I use that eight. That's the, I said to you before we started. And for listeners, this is the very first time I ever came across Pi Corbett with this fabulous poem that actually I was doing with, I think it was a year two class, and it absolutely opened up poetry for them. Yeah, so the poem goes like this. If I had wings, I would touch the fingertips of clouds and glide on the wind's breath. If I had wings, I would taste a chunk of the sun as hot as peppered curry. If I had wings, I would listen to the clouds of sheep bleat that graze on the blue. If I had wings, I would breathe deep and sniff the scent of raindrops. If I had wings, I would gaze at people who cling to the earth. If I had wings, I would dream of swimming the deserts and walking the seas. And what you can see there is I've got um, a, a sort of classic um, little starter. If I had wings, and all you've got to do is imagine what that might be like and write a list of sentences. They've all got to start with a capital letter. They've got to end with a full stop. But there is a bit more to it than that yeah. because we had I would touch, taste, listen, breathe, gaze, in other words, look, and the last one was dream. So there was a, a, a little bit more to it. And then we had that image as hot as peppered curry. And each one I tried mm. to make a little, each idea needs to be a little bit special. So you really have to work on the different ideas. Um, now, here's one that's a rhyming one. And it's fun to do, and it's not too hard. And it's what the dragon says. The dragon says stop. The dragon says go. The dragon says sun. And the dragon says no. The dragon says run a mile. The dragon says have a laugh. The dragon says, in a while, the dragon says, take a bath. The dragon says, roundabout. The mm-hmm. dragon says, camper van. The dragon says, Brussels sprout. The dragon says, action man. The dragon says, coffee cake. The dragon says, tiger shark. 
The dragon says belly ache, and the dragon says thunder spark. And that's a, quite a nice one to do because you've only got to, to rhyme one word or a little phrase, and it's not really making, yes. it's just fun with language. So what we're looking for is ideas that um, that will allow the children to develop that feel for writing poetic sentences. Um, shall I read you another one that does that? Here's an easy, oh, yes, please. easy one to do. I want to paint. And it was some um, uh, French writer, Jacques Prévert, who wrote a whole poem about painting the portrait of a bird, he called it. And then Adrian Henry, who was one of the Liverpool poets, wrote a long poem called I Want to Paint. And all he did was, and I copied the idea, um, just a list of things that you might want to paint. I won't read all of it because there's quite a lot and I could go on forever. Yeah. I want to paint the silence of sunlight seeping through window panes and catching motes of shimmering dust. I want to paint the pure polish of a red apple shining on Mrs. Tudor's desk. I want to paint a zealous zebra zipping up its terrifying teeth. I want to paint a determined daffodil breakdancing as the wind dares to fidget and a haughty heron poised like a statue at the edge of Powell's Pond. Now, if I just read that bit, there's a lot going on in there because we've got things like yeah. zealous zebra zipping up its terrifying teeth and then the determined daffodil um, break dancing. So alliteration, we had the heron like a mm -hmm. statue at the edge of Powell's Pond. So learning to alliterate can be quite a good way into um, beginning to choose um, combinations of words that aren't cliches. So if we let's do one together. I want to paint. So you tell me what would you like to paint? I just need a one noun, a thingy. The sky. The sky. Okay. I want to paint the sky. So now you've mm -hmm. got to give me an adjective and it's got to start with s that sound. Scarlet. I want to paint the scarlet sky. And you can't see me, but when you said that, I beamed. And I beamed because it's just a lovely <laughs> idea and I enjoyed it. What else could we have? The scarlet <laughs> sky, um, the supine sky. There's a fancy one. Uh, the serious sky. Mm -hmm. Have you got any more ideas? The solitary sky. Solitary sun in the sky. Ah, I want to paint the solitary sun, something or other, in the sky. So we're beginning to extend yes. the idea. And then we could go on and do a simile. Um, so in the book, I've got a couple of poems um, that look at imagery. So we've got practicing as, as quick as a tick, as slow as a brick in a wall, as tall as King Kong, stretching on his toes, as cold as a frozen raspberry gelato, as loud as a planet exploding, as quiet as a mouse praying. And it goes on like that. Can I just say about similes? What I find with children with similes is that you you teach them similes, and then they give you this random these random things that don't necessarily connect. And it, I was trying to explain this to mine the other day. They were saying it's as green as, and they said a pencil. <laughs> well. It was a really interesting one because in that child's mind, they were talking about the pencil that they could see that was green. Ah, right, yes. And it's, does that make sense? But I was saying to them, if your reader was reading it, would they understand how green 
you're talking about, you know, how green that yes. green is. And it's trying to get children to understand. And actually what you're saying is poetry is a great way in to really get children to make those connections when they're writing similes. Yes, you've got to think deeply. You see, it would have been all right if the child had said as mm. green as um, the grass in my painting or as green as the pencil crayon grass at the edge of my drawing or something like that. But what I usually ban um, cliches, I often say, look, if you've heard it before, I don't want to hear it again. We've all heard faster than Cheetah. We're not doing that one. There are millions of things in this planet that are very, very quick, like my brain, as fast as Mr. Corbett's brain. That's a really quick (laughs) Yeah, I think it helps if you do mini brainstorms. So if you're doing the as, you could have a list of things like as quick as, as slow as, as tall as, as loud as, as sad as. I got as sad as one baby's shoe. That's pretty sad. As tired as at the end of the day. So you could have a list and then say, right, let's make a list. Let's see how many things we can think of that are, say we're doing as quick as. How many things can you think of that are really, really quick? So you have things like a, um, a finger snap is really quick. An electric shock is yeah. really, really fast. Um, a kick from Marcus Rashford's foot, that's pretty quick. Um, so you've got to think of things that you know that are really fast or really, really slow. Um, and yes. I think if we get into that habit of little brainstorms with them, it's it's very, very liberating for them. And it's the same with the other sort of simile, like. Yes, absolutely. So, when you're saying um, with, with like, I often say, well, think about what it looks like. What does it remind you of? And that phrase, what does it remind you of? Oh, so, I'm writing uh, that down. Yeah, what does it, does it remind you of? That's a good phrase. And I always start with mm. um, the moon, but I nearly always do a crescent moon. And I say to them, what does it look like? What does it remind mm. you of? What's the first thing do you think they're going to say? What's the thumping great cliche they're going to tell me? I'm going to say a piece of cheese. It's either a piece of cheese or a banana. It's those two things. Uh, Yeah. Okay. I've heard heard those before. Now, what you've got to think about is what else is curved like that? And I draw it four ways. I draw it the way you might see it in the sky. I draw it like a bracket the other way. And then I draw it like a mouth, Ah. like a moustache. And I say, right, look at those four um, little arcs. What does it remind you of? What does it look like? And we start then to get them saying, you know, the moon is like a silver parachute. The moon is like a smile. If they say like a smile, I say, whose smile? And they say, girl's smile. And then I might say, yeah, but name it. Who is constantly smiling? Then somebody might say, oh, it's the Cheshire cat's grin. Or someone might say, it's like Alice in Wonderland's smile or Robin Hood's smile or whatever it is. So name it as another thing. Um, If I read you the beginning of this poem, you can hear, this is a a celebratory, um, um, the beginning of a celebratory poem. It doesn't have to be the scorching sun shining its rays. This is uh, by a child, shining its rays on the sea or the golden sand surrendering to the deep blue ocean. Or the cry of the salesman advertising cotton, cotton candy on my, Miami Pier. That's what I call name it. 
this child has obviously been to America, has um, heard a salesman and who was advertising cotton candy on Miami Pier, name it. So mm-hmm. we do a lot of that when I'm teaching. So this is all about choosing the right words, about using imagery to build pictures and make connections, but it's also about naming it. And there's something, you know, it's the difference, as we've said before, you've heard me say this, it's the difference between the man got in the car and Boris Johnson slithered into a Mercedes. And as soon as you name it, <laughs> yes. just something about it that makes the communication much, much more potent. Absolutely. And what you're saying really is actually what we need to do is give time to this collection. It's allowing children to really, as you say, brainstorm, have these mini brainstorms, giving time, not necessarily what what I hear whenever you're talking is that you don't necessarily just accept the first thing that they're saying. You get them to embellish and improve. So you're actually, they end up with a really quality phrase like the Cheshire cat's grin, as opposed to just, you know, a smile. That actually it's really, it's really developed so that then when they're moving it in towards the poetry, actually they've got those phrases there, as opposed to us hoping that they'll be able to do it without the collecting. Yeah. I mean, the brainstorming, I think, so my approach and this sort of writing is very playful. And in a minute, let's talk about observational writing. But this is very playful and it's Mm. a good place to start because, in essence, if you're writing a list of magic wishes, you can't be wrong. You can only be right. Well, the only way you could be wrong is forgetting the capital letter and the full stop, etc. And then if they've written, I wish I was a dog, it's my job to grin at this five-year-old and say, that's a funny idea. What sort of dog? Do you know any types of Alsatian? Okay. I wish I was an Alsatian. And what's the Alsatian doing? He's barking. Okay, I wish I was an Alsatian barking. Who's he barking at? So it's my job to ask the sort of questions which will get the child elaborating on their idea to build a stronger picture and get a good sentence. And I think if you keep asking those questions, in the end, the the idea is they internalise those questions and sort of ask them of themselves. They know how to take a basic idea and extend it. If I give you another one, I'll read this is um, by a child. Um, This is about creating things. If I was summoned to create a treasure, I would take. So if we're going to make a beautiful treasure, what are the ingredients? And then it's just a list. The glimmer in a stallion's eyes, it gallops through the mountains free and wild. The sound of a heron's wing as it soars across the river Thames, bit of naming it. The taste of lemon sorbet, another naming, as a summer day slowly dies. The flutter of a leaf floating into Mount Tambora, the twirl of the wind in a tornado, and an asteroid from a billion years ago. And on it goes. It's just a list of ingredients. Um, But the child has chosen well and made something. So a weak start would be, if I was summoned to create a treasure, I would take... Um, okay, will you give me one ingredient and I'll help you extend it? So just give me an ingredient. It can be anything you like. Glitter. Oh, glitter. Okay. And where, what, uh, what glitter? Give me an adjective to describe it. And it's got to start with GL. Ooh, glorious glitter. I would take glorious glitter 
And where did you find mm-hmm. it? At the bottom of the deepest well. I like that idea of the well. That's a bit. Um, can you give me the well of what? Is it the well of life or the well of something else? Oh, the well of wishes. Oh, the well of wishes. Nice little bit of alliteration creeping in there. So it, it's it, kids will come up with ideas if you encourage them. And then it's showing them how to extend. Mm. So I think a, yeah. model, a model poem um, and Catalyst is a good start because what I did was I collected, I thought there wouldn't be many, but I found 130. And then actually since then I found more. But they're just poems mm. that I've written as models to use in classrooms with kids over the years. I thought, well, I'll put them all in one book so people can have access to them. So you need a model poem. Uh, of some sort and then you share that with the kids I wouldn't spend too much time on it but uh, you'd obviously look at um, how it's constructed the ideas etc talk about likes and dislikes uh, read it through a number of times together and then extract the basic pattern so if I were summoned to create a treasure I would take now instead of treasure what else might we create um, Toria a potion Ah, if I were summoned to create a potion, a magical potion, I would take. And then we have a list of ingredients. So that's the shared writing that we're getting into now. So you're showing them how to actually do it. Um, Sometimes I do a massive, great uh, brainstorm. So I might say to them, if we're working on this Mm -hmm. one, I might say, come on, let's spend five minutes. And we're going to write down all the magical ingredients that we can think of. So... And I get them thinking Lovely, of unusual yeah. little details that you might like the tip of a nettle sting, you know, little the scale from a snake. What sort of snake? An adder, the scale from an adder's shed skin. So little details. And we gather those together. We do a massive brainstorm. And then I show them how to take some of those ideas. We do one together, a class poem, if you like. And then I'd give them... Mm-hmm. If they were key stage two, I'd probably give them 10 to 15 minutes because what I want now from their writing is silence, heads down and write hard and fast. I I don't. We've done the talking. Yeah. You know what you're doing. Ready, steady, go. And then I can run round the room marking over the shoulder saying, oh, I like that. Or could you get a bit more into this one? Mm. Or have a look at that. I think you've repeated yourself there. You've got two ideas that are very similar. See if you, I think you'll be able to do that. So, sort of encouraging um, and um, intervening, hopefully, fruitfully to move the writing forwards almost at the point they're writing. Now, that's the sort of magic y type stuff. And I'd always start with that because everyone can succeed, if you know what I mean. If you're writing, as I said, magical wishes or dreams, last night I dreamt, da 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 da. Last night I dreamt. You know, if you're doing one of those, um, it was so silent that I heard. It was so silent that I heard. Or when I heard the music I thought of, when I heard the music I remembered, when I heard the music I touched. If you're doing one of those, um, it you know, it's fun. And as I say, almost anything goes. Though, of course, mm. some of the writing sounds more effective than others, and then you can start discussing why. When you've got the other sort of poetic writing was where, where we're trying to capture the essence of a real experience. And this was very much when I started teaching, 
it was a it was I mean a hundred years ago it was called the object lesson. You brought an object into the classroom, and the kids all drew it and painted yeah. it and then wrote about it. But um, things like I remember lugging an old bicycle into the classroom, a rusty old bicycle. We set it up at the front, and then everybody drew it. Yeah. Close observational drawing, so they were staring at it, trying to capture the essence of the thing through pencil drawing. And then we did a big mm-hmm. brainstorm. And then we start and then we moved into the writing. And I think the brainstorm is an important one because it's there where they generate lots of possibilities. And the writing is where you choose and select and judge which ones are going to work. Now, it sounds quite hard. How are you going to write about a bicycle? So your first li- yeah. this is the trick. The first line is always um, you've got to introduce the reader to what you're writing about. So you're going to say the something bicycle, something or other. So you give me an adjective for that bicycle. It's an old one. doesn't have to be fancy. Ancient. The ancient bicycle. Now, it can't move, so we've got to say something like rests. Okay, the ancient bicycle rests okay. a- against the wall or something like that. So we now know we're talking about mm-hmm. a bicycle. If it was an owl, the first line might be um, uh, the tawny owl sits and waits right so that's your first line or couple of lines the rest of it it's a simple trick but what you do is you pick out um you pick out key details so if you're writing about the bicycle the key details would be things like yeah. right, I'm going to write about the handlebars the wheels the spokes mm-hmm. the chain and maybe the front light so I've now got five things. So I need little descriptive bits oh. going down the middle of the page, if you were to mean. So we've got the old bike rests. Now do handlebars. It's um, chrome handlebars jut out um, like a cow's horns. And you can see how the earlier work with the playful stuff, I know how to do a simile. So yes. I can I can use that now. Then we might go from that to the wheels. So we might say, um, let's do the spokes. So they're really thin, aren't they? So we might say thin, slim, slender spokes. Um, Splendor spokes um, stick out from the rusted hub. Like, um, they always remind me, when you look at them, the the spokes, and they're, they're a bit like, the segments of an orange, like the segments of an orange. Can you see Ooh, that? Come on. Yeah. And yes. when children do things like that and it, it's fresh and it's new, even if it's not quite spot on, I beam at them and I say, that's lovely. No one's ever written that before. Yeah. What a great idea. Because you want them thinking originally with originality. Um, then we might do the yes. chain. So you might say, um, the weary chain dangles down like a a forgotten necklace of of um, iron nuggets, something like that. And again, mm. let, let's do something different. So you choose me a creature because children write well about creatures. So choose a creature you know reasonably well. Um, a cat. I know. <laughs> for, yeah, I know cats pretty well. Okay. So what's your cat called? Well, I've got two, but we'll go for Muffin. Muffin? And where does Muffin sleep? 
Muffin sleeps on my bed most of the okay. time. And when he sleeps, is it Muffin a he or a she? She. So we got Muffin. Now, when she sleeps, is she lying out straight or is she curled? How are we going to have her? No, she's all curled up with her head upside down. She sort of curls up in this sort of like in a little ball, but her head always sort of she turns her head up. Okay, so Muffin sleeps curled in a ball like. Now, can you get a simile? What does that curl remind you of a little bit? What else is curled like that? I'm tempted to say a croissant. It, she, I'm looking at her right now, actually. She does look a bit like a croissant. What, um, else, what else is curved like that? Do you know what she looks like? It's, this is really weird because, because she is so flat. She looks like a ball of wool because <laughs> she is, she's very, very fluffy like a ball of wool. She looks like, you know, that wool that's really, really super fluffy. The, the, I'm trying to name it. It's like the Angora wool. Yes. Um, that's what she looks like. She looks like a, a ball of Angora wool. Okay, so we've now got like. something like Muffin curls up asleep on my bed like a ball of soft angora wool. Oh, yeah. Now, which bit of her might we describe? Her tail. Her tail? Now, what, what does, uh, are we going to say sticks out, juts out, pokes out, dangles down? What, what are you going to go for? I'm going to say wraps around her. Her because tail. It, her tail sort of wraps. It's vast. Her tail is vast. It's huge, her tail. Her vast tail wraps around her. I want to say as if it's, yeah. it's, it's like it's protecting her. Protecting her. Like a soft protecting. Mm. A, like a soft a curls, curves, a curls, curls around her like a soft something or other protection. A ring of protection? I don't know. You'd have to work on that bit. Oh, that's, yes. Yeah, no, I quite like ring of protection because that's what it's like. It looks like a ring of protection around her. Um, When she wakes, her something eyes. It's large isn't the right word. It's... um, Wide? Yes, they are. They're wide. Her wide eyes. Her wide eyes. What colour are they? Green. (laughs) <laughs> but I'm I'm thinking of a better description than green. Um, emerald. Her wide emerald eyes. We can't have look. What what do they? Because cats have that intensity, don't they? They don't look. They. She sort of takes in the room. I'm trying to think of a really good one because she doesn't stare. She sort of um, scans. That's what she does. She her scans wide. the room. Okay, so we've got her wide green eyes scan the room searching something or other like that i'm going to read you uh one about um my cat chi chi and it's got in it to at the Mm -hmm. end something we've not talked about yet my cat curls on the armchair pillowing the curve of pluto her paws are pin cushions needle claws tucked out of sight eyes shell tight she snuffles making cat dream noises her fur ripples like wind breathing on water, like wheat seething, a black and white photo of the moon. At night, she pads along the garden wall, pauses, poised before leaping, eyes like green glass glittering in car lights. She stalks back indoors, tucks mm. her head under paws of darkness. Even though she drifts into sleep, 
creeps through dreams. Her ears are alert, picking up the slightest crumb of sound around her. Mini tiger. Cat cool. Now, the bit we didn't... And that first line introduces the reader to what we're writing about, the cat. Yeah. And then I placed it on the armchair. And then I went through paws, paws, eyes, snuffly noises, fur... And then I shifted to mm-hmm. at night. I got her going along the wall. I got the eyes and then I brought her back indoors. It's the same sort of idea. And once you know that trick, yes. of look at something and pick out the details. Then as long as you've got those little tricks of imagery and well-chosen language, you really are in business in terms of being able to write about something that's real. You're trying to capture the sort of the essence of the experience um, using language. You make it seem so simple. It's wonderful because I, it, it's like, yeah, this completely makes sense. It is actually really simple when we know the tricks and that's what we needed, the tricks. Yeah, you've got one other trick at the end. Oh, good. And that was the uh, the Kennings at the end. I can't remember what it was now. Mini Tiger. Yes. So um, I'll read you some Kennings. And then we'll talk about them. So it's a bit like a riddle, this one. Earth warmer, planet grower, seed soother, sly mover, beach blazer, light razor, drought maker, earth baker, sweat breaker, cool taker, night ender, warmth sender, star glimmer, heat shimmer, solar traveller, hot shot, Excalibur. And that's the sun. And Kennings are sort of... I guess that. Yeah, they're, they're nice little two-word phrases, a bit like riddles. I love Kennings. They're great. And I think mm-hmm. the children really engage with them because it's fun to, to not tell them necessarily what it's about and for them to actually see, oh, can they guess it from those two-word descriptions? They're, they're fabulous, yeah. Kennings. And I think, too, it's it, it's interesting that the, um, the Vikings and the Anglo-Saxons used to... These things like they'd call their swords things like skull basher um, or bone cruncher. <laughs> and the mm. sea was the whale road. That's a lovely one, isn't it? The whale really? road. Yeah. Um, so it's wow. two words. Kenning is two words hyphenated together. And you, you get them actually still in modern language. So people talk about it was a bit of a showstopper or oh, he's just a pen pusher. Well, that baby is an ankle yeah. biter, and you're, you're, it's, it, that is a kenning. So we still do use them. So in order to do it, think of something that you know well that you want to describe, and then make a list of nouns that relate to the word without mentioning the word. So if you were thinking about the sea, things to do with the sea are going to be mm-hmm. things like rocks, coastline, ship, waves, shark, salt, coral, horse, tide, shore beach, foam, shingle, light, ocean. So you make a list of the nouns, and then you need uh, your verbs. Um, Seeker, racer, roller, shudderer, maker, curler. So we might have wave curler, uh, ship rider, Mm. um, coral shaker, current sweeper, coast breaker. So make a list of the nouns, make a list of some verbs, and then put them together with ER on the end. I'll give you another one. Oh, what? it's not another one. This is the C one I was working on. Current causer, coast seeker, rock racer, wave roller, 
ship shudderer, shark striker, salt maker, coral curler, white horse rider, tide surfer, shore shaker, beach sweeper, foam breaker, shingle shaker, light dancer, ocean sweller. And one of the th- one of the things about all of this work is there's a wonderful richness, of course, to it, but it does enhance the narrative. So let's say we'd been working on doing descriptions, little descriptions of cats, and you've got what was yeah. yours called? I want to call him Muffin. Her Muffin. It was Muffin, wasn't it? Yeah, Muffin. Yeah. yeah. Supposing we'd worked on that poem, that descriptive poem that you and I sort of started together. Now, imagine that you were mm-hmm. writing about, um, I don't know, you've got a main character who uh, is in the house and um, is looking for something um, that's been hidden. So let's call the main character, um, uh, um, I don't know, Tanya. Tanya crept into her mm-hmm. mother's bedroom. There on the bed lay Muffin, curled up, snoozing away like a ball of soft angora wool. Instantly, Muffin awoke. Her emerald eyes glittered as she um, scanned the room. What or who had woken her? Ding, 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 ding. So lovely. If you do a lot of the work on it, um, on poetic, short burst poetic writing, with, without worrying, don't worry about the rhyme. The more important thing is, can they construct sentences? Can they use powerful, well-chosen language, avoid cliches, similes with like, similes with as, um, and moving into things like kennings? And, of course, you've got your old friend personification, the wind, the trees yes. in the wind. So personification, another little trick if you you, you know about it, um, as it really br- creates an atmosphere when you have the wind moaned in the trees. So you create atmosphere with that. Mm. So all of that good work, it's it's one advantage is one reason why kids like it, it's short burst. It's sort of almost done and dusted in one or two sessions. That's it. Um, yeah. And I think at the back of Catalyst, I wrote a, an essay on my basic approach, which um, I summarized it right at the very end. Provide a relevant stimulus or experience. Share the model or idea. Read any model and discuss briefly. Brainstorm loads of ideas. Do some shared writing. So they you do a class one. They know what they've got to do. And then just before they write, read aloud the model or other examples before the children write. And then get rapid, focused, silent, independent writing with a time limit. Obviously, if you say there's only 10 minutes, get your heads down. If after 10 minutes they're still writing, don't stop them. Keep it going. You're trying to get them working absolutely focused um, for their writing. And then feedback in terms of running around the room, but also maybe the next day sharing, um, getting kids to read theirs out, response partner work. And that can all lead very nicely into ultimately copying it up and publishing on the class blog or on a display or in a scrapbook um, our short burst pieces of writing. I love that as an idea. And what you said to me before we started recording, which I think is a really interesting one, is we were talking about poetry and narrative and where poetry sat. And you said to me, actually, it's so important that children are able to write short burst poetry before they're going into well-developed narrative. Yes. 
it's where you learn how to write. Because once you hit narrative, yeah. you've got big things like characterization, um, the, the up and down structure of a, of a text, using a setting to create atmosphere, all of those things. So it's much more demanding. Um, and, you know, I'd start with those magical list poems because everyone can succeed, mm. but really push them, push them in terms of capital letter, full stop, well-chosen language. Don't accept cliches. Put a wiggly line under it and say, come on, I've heard that one before. So the intervening yeah. is, is, I think, part of it because you want them really beginning to work like writers and think and think deeply. So start with the playful ones, move into the ones where you provide them with a first-hand experience and they learn to write about the details. And I often call it poetic writing because you can write that like prose. So you could, with your cat, just do a paragraph mm. describing your cat, and that's fine. Um, so you're looking to describe the essence of an experience, um, something that's either from your memory or alternatively something that you've cooked up um, and brought into the mm. classroom. So working on using a language to capture and preserve an experience and say or communicate something about your excitement and interest in the experience at the same time as what the experience was like. It's a two-way thing because when you write, you are revealing something of yourself. So, yeah, powerful stuff. And I think actually it's interesting because I've mentioned a few technical terms like personification, etc. But what we've not mm. talked about really is bunging grammar at writing. And yes. I think there is a massive difference. I really don't believe in bunging grammar at writing. I just don't think it helps people to say, I think you need to use more subordinate clauses. Or why don't you use some more parenthesis? No writer on this planet has ever thought like that. It doesn't help children. It makes writing often a difficult and loathsome activity. What we have to do is to know about composition and effect and think like writers. The grammar, as we've said before, is there to serve the composition and effect. So our comments, I think, need to be more about the composition, more about building the tension, building a suspense, making the picture clearer. I love the way you surprised me with that image. It really works for me, etc. So we think about composition yeah. and the grammar is just the mechanics. I can imagine, Pi, that yeah. some people would say, oh, you know, write this poem and you need to have four similes, two personifications. And actually, then what that does is kill that writing process for the yes. child, but also then takes away from the composition and effect. Yes. It, it then becomes writing by numbers. Yes. So that's why I call it toolkit. So you've got your tools. You know how to do fresh new combinations. I once had a kid, Jamie Lelliot, who wrote about a um, uh, about a volcano, and he wrote the cockerel lava. And I thought that was a brilliant image because Ooh. you know the tail of a cockerel has got all those reds yes. and yellows, and, and cockerels are quite sort of aggressive things, and he used it as an adjective. Yeah. And I thought that was a brilliant piece of writing, the cockerel lava. And it really stayed with me as being mm. 
a, a magnificently fresh combination. So fresh new combinations that surprise the reader, interest the reader, and have some truth in them. And then you've got, as unlike, images to build pictures, metaphors which are stronger than um, images, because when it says um, the saddle was like a grey mushroom, it's obvious you're doing a simile because you said it's like. But as soon as you say um, the mushroom saddle, it's less obvious. So metaphors are more powerful, I think. I find metaphors really hard to teach, if I'm honest. Well, I'll give you a trick. I ought to go and have my bangers and mash in a minute. But the trick is this. Start by, let's go back to the moon, the crescent moon. So we've got the crescent moon is like, what would you say? Give me a simile. doesn't particularly matter what it is. Anything curved. The crescent moon is like um, a clown's wide smile. So we could then go the smiling moon. Oh. Or we could say the moon grinned. So if you said to me, the moon is like, let's do the sun. So again, give me a simile. The sun is like anything that's round will do me. The sun is like a beach ball. The beach ball sun hung. Yeah, the beach ball sun hung in the summer's sky um, while the waves far below lapped the fringe of the beach or whatever it's going to be. So you create a simile and then use the image as an adjective. doesn't always work, but it can work very, very nicely. I'm going to keep practising that. Nice. The other thing, of course, is just get rid of the word yeah. Just get rid of the word like. So if you've got uh, the moon is like a bridge, just say the moon is a bridge or the bridge moon hung in the in the, the mm. silver bridge moon hung. And actually, um, Dylan Thomas did that a lot. That was his little trick. I learned that from him. Oh. He, he doesn't know it. Well, that's that's a great trick to, to know, which will it really is, help yeah. me. Just do a load of similes and get rid of the word like and you've got a list of metaphors. Nice. The other big thing which goes alongside all of this is if you only ever read my dad is fatter than your dad, I'll hit him in the face with a wet cod um, bum and toilet poems for amusement. Mm -hmm. If you only ever read those, that's all they can write. Yes. So one of the big differences in the classrooms where kids write in an extraordinary way is that they... Um, probably do poem of the week or poem of the day. And every day there is a quality piece of writing that's being read to the children or they're joining in with it or whatever. They don't have to learn it or anything like that, but they're getting absolutely soaked daily in quality poetry. And the lovely thing about poetry is it usually isn't long. <laughs> yeah. yeah, true. Oh, I have learned so much from you. Yes. And I'm aware that, you know, your bangers and mash are there waiting for you, you know, so I'm going to let you go. But I'm just going to say thank you so much for coming on Tiny Voice Talks with me again and for just just teaching myself and the listeners so much more. Always love having our chats, Pi. I really do. Yeah, it's great fun. I mean, I, I'll never tire of teaching and children and creativity it's it's such an exciting thing and of course it has a healing quality i'll end by saying um, i remind people catalyst poems for writing it's on the talk for writing website but i just say a bit about the healing quality a lot of schools now are doing work on mental health but i think Mm. if you get a rich curriculum where children are 
creating, where they're writing poems, making stories, drawing, painting, model making, dancing, creating dances, um, creating music, singing collectively together. I think all of the arts, part of their function is to take the chaos of our lives and make something positive out of it. If you think of creation, the opposite of it is destruction. So if you've got kids who are chaotic, get angry, etc., what they desperately need to do is to come into school and make good and beautiful things, and that will have a healing effect. How about that as a way of ending? (laughs) That was a tremendous way of ending, Pai. Really was. Thank you so much for coming on and just imparting so much wisdom. We are so grateful that you continue to teach us. Thank you. I've really enjoyed it, Um, Toria. Let's do it another time in six months or whatever. I'm sure we'll find something else to gossip about. (laughs) Absolutely. I'll see another tweet and go, oh, I will talk about that. Enjoy your dinner. Okay. Thanks, Toria. Take care. Bye-bye.